0: I'm willing to go there with you. I'll roll up my sleeves and do the work with you. That's my job as your coach. But you better be ready to do the work and have an open mind and try some things that are a little outside your comfort zone or how in the world can I help you? And so it does take being in the business for a little while, learning what you're good at and where you get stuck because we all get stuck. Being honest with yourself about where you shine and where you really trip yourself up. And when we can discover these things together, that's when it's really good work.
1: Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Teresa Callahan. Teresa is an executive leadership and career coach who leads small business owners and team leaders within organizations through her Managing for Performance Leadership Development Program. Her background includes 15 years of service to State Farm, both as a team member, agent, and agency field consultant, and 18 years serving agents and sales leaders throughout the country through her customized leadership programs. We cover a lot in this episode, leadership development, and in particular, all the people stuff within our organizations. I know many of you are familiar with Teresa. I'm looking forward to introducing to you that don't know Teresa. So here's my conversation with Ms. Teresa Callahan. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. Sign up at CoachPConsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Are you ready to get out of the daily rut and begin working at your highest level? Coach P Consulting will help you do just that using the same strategies he did to sell over 500 life insurance policies in 2020 and on track for over 600 life insurance policies in 2021. No, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week every week of the month, and you'll get a live look at the behind-the-scenes team training and an office performing at the highest level. Coach P currently has a 100% retention rate for everyone who joins, and hey, those numbers speak for themselves. Coach P will train your team alongside his own to show you the exact steps they are taking to achieve Chairman Circle in two agencies, exotic travel, and multi-line presence Club. So whether your goal is to be the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and tactics to get you there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level. His strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at CoachPConsulting.com and get 50% off your first month of coaching when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Again, that's CoachPConsulting.com. Teresa, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here with you. Glad to finally meet you, Bradley.
1: Excited to be here. So we always start with background and origin story. And so before we press record, you were telling me a little bit about your story. And so I know a lot of our listening audience are going to be familiar with you, but for those that are not, why don't you tell a little bit about how you got to where you are today?
0: Yeah. So my sweet spot and my favorite clientele, I suppose, is the insurance and financial services. My first real career job out of college was with State Farm. I Graduated college in Montana and was relocated to Austin, Texas, kind of where I started my career with State Farm, working for two high-performing agents. And I knew at the time I thought I wanted to become an agent, but I was so grateful for these four years working with two great agents who had very established businesses, who were high performers, who had high expectations, big on accountability, big on marketing. And that's really where my foundational education in insurance came from and also, just learning the nature of relationships is a very relationship-based sale. After four years working with two agents, I then had an opportunity to come home to Missoula, Montana, which is where I was raised and grew up. We had a retired agent here. I was the first female State Farm agent in Missoula, Montana. We had nine other agents in town at the time, and it was really fun for me to come home and take what i learned we tripled the book of business quickly, took over the town. It was so much fun to offer, you know, be a state farm agent and serve the community in the way that I did and all the things I learned about marketing relationship-based, so proud to represent the brand. It was a strong brand, even back then, a strong brand. And so I was really proud to break sales records and be part of some exciting things as an agent. But I found most of my fun time was coaching other agents. Like, how did you do that? And how'd you attract that person? And what do you do in this situation? And my own playbook for success was something I guess I created organically over time and found myself coaching and speaking at agent events. And at some point... Someone suggested going into field leadership with State Farm, and I said, why would I ever do that, right? Like, I love being an agent. I'm proud to be an agent. I'm good at it. But I really found that I enjoyed the coaching element of the work that I did and speaking at events more than writing insurance. Mm-hmm. I love the relationship-based side of it. But so very quickly, after about five years, the company relocated me to Seattle, Washington, assigned me 33 agents all on the east side of Seattle. And I was like a kid in a candy store because I didn't have just my agency to develop and work on. I had 33 agency teams that I could help influence and coach. And and what I found very quickly was, even though I'd put these beautiful marketing campaigns together and help them build their business plans their number one challenge was finding amazing people, onboarding them efficiently and training them and then keeping them engaged. I realized very quickly that it was all about the people stuff. And I noticed a pattern of high performing agents from others. And that was that they had high employee engagement. They had very little turnover. And I think my general curiosity I was fascinated about what do these people do that others don't do to attract these great team members and keep them and so all of my work and study and focus really was on that I started gathering my agents and putting together little workshops on how to build a recruiting campaign and how to find the right people and are you even ready to hire a team member and here's what I learned from so and so and it just became very natural and organic for me to focus on that piece five years as a consultant the company then expects you and wanted you to move on to a higher level of leadership and my sales leader opportunity came to be i had three different locations around the country to choose from that were interested in talking to me and about that same time i had stuff going on at home i had a child with some health issues i had a marriage that was falling apart i had work to do at home. And the last thing I needed or wanted at that point was to pick up my family and relocate again. So I made a tough decision. I asked the company to grant me a sabbatical for a period of time while I could take care of some things at home. And after a few months, the company said, well, why don't you take on this project? And I know you're home right now, but and your cars out in the parking lot, we know you're coming back soon, (laughs) but could you take over agent university? And I became Colby certified. And I tell you, Bradley, it was over a period of time short period of time that I discovered professional coaching and I thought maybe I can do this differently when it was time for me to come back after sabbatical I actually told the company I think I need to step down from this role and serve in a very different way and 18 years later (laughs) here I am I get teased by all my friends and colleagues in the company and I'm still on sabbatical but I discovered professional coach coaching through the Coaches Training Institute. I became a Colby certified consultant and kind of the rest is history. I love serving at State Farm and independent agents, independent business owners. Having been in Seattle, I got to do some contract work with Microsoft and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I work with a couple of consulting firms and helping them manage their recruiting teams. And I've just learned through all of this that the number one challenge all of us face is the people stuff and taking the mystery out of that is really become my forte i
1: think it was a few years ago that i first heard this idea of growth to contribution and so that you grew in all the (laughs) roles that you had and now you live a life of contribution so thanks for what you do just pouring into the small business owners around the country Uh,
0: well it's absolutely my privilege i'm fascinated i just got up a coaching call earlier today and high performing business owner, incredibly talented, so skilled. And he's got a team of seven. And it's like, okay, what's not happening here? Like, help me peel the layers off of this mess, if you will. And people are complex. We're human beings. Mm-hmm. And you get a bunch of human beings who are very complex and put them together and expect these very imperfect people to be perfect. is like oh well that's our problem right there right so it's the psychology behind it of people and even in sales you've probably found this yourself it's understanding people so we can serve them better and it's my greatest life work i'll tell you it's fascinating
1: it's probably the fifth time i've said this i hope to one day have donald miller come on the podcast because I love his work, I love his books, but I disagree with the book title that he recently came out with is Business Made Simple. Business is anything Mm. but simple because (laughs) you're dealing with highly complex individuals. So I totally agree with that. All right, so it's often said hard skills and soft skills. And so Mm -hmm. the hard skills like business planning, marketing, knowing your numbers, and look at your financials and all those things. And for a lot of people, myself included, I love that. I love the business end of the business, but the reality is in order to be able to grow and scale, you've got to master the softer skills, the people stuff, as you mentioned it. What do you see as a couple of the reasons why that part of it is so pervasive as a challenge for insurance agency owners and quite frankly, small business owners around the country? And yes, we're at the time of this recording. When the great resignation is what people have called it. But mm-hmm. this problem has been there 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, et cetera. So it's nothing has really changed there. But what do you see as the biggest thing in working with hundreds, thousands of agents around the country as the thing that we can really learn?
0: Well, for one thing I've learned is that, again, like I said, human beings are very complex. It's the human psychology element that most of us never learned about when we went to business school, right? Most of us never got in the trenches and talked a lot about emotional intelligence and or the psychology of people. There's a book called Happier. And one of these books, I have so many of them on my shelf behind me, but Tal Ben-Shahar, PhD, he actually has an academy now on happiness. And he dedicates an entire chapter of his book to happiness in the workplace And years ago, I spent some time, this is years when I was an agency field consultant for State Farm, I had a week at the Gallup Institute, and we were studying and talking about this, there was a perceiver test that we had, they were doing research for us on what sets apart these high performing team members from others. So here I am at Gallup and I'm with all these weirdos who are talking about why people do the things that they do and all this research and study that they did around the world of happiness in the workplace. And I'm like, I found my people because I didn't believe, I never did believe that it was fluff to be happy at work. And I realize also that many of us have a lot of training around business, have a lot of training around marketing, but we didn't get that training in the people stuff. And for some of us, this comes very natural. It's almost innate how we connect and understand others. But for most of us, I think we fumble through it, just like our relationships, right? I mean, if you're lucky, you start relationships when you're a teenager and through your 20s, and maybe you figure out how to be in a relationship by the time you're 30 and you get married and build a life with someone. But I mean, I feel like we all fumble through relationship stuff. I have a client in Chicago who said to me one day, he said, Teresa, if I knew then what I know now, I would have got my degree in human psychology, not business. Because I can figure out the business stuff, right? You give me the right systems, processes, training, I'll figure out the business stuff. But the people stuff is really what keeps us up at night. And I tell you, when clients reach out to me for help and I do a little discovery conversation with them about where they feel like they're having success at work, at home, in life. It's the stuff that keeps them up at night is trying to figure out why someone did what they did or why they didn't do what they did or why did they say that one thing, right? It's the human element of people. And through time, through being intentional, I want to be a better leader. I want to serve better. We can figure that out, but it has to be a really powerful intention. In the workshops that I teach, they're about halfway through the workshop. I'll say, do you want a better team? And everyone says yes. And I'll say, well, then you have to be a better leader. Like there are no shortcuts. I keep trying to find a way, but you can be at the top of your game in business. But if you don't have the infrastructure of people set up, you're going to be exhausting your resources. And I do believe we all want to enjoy our life. We want to enjoy the work that we do and especially after this pandemic what how did you phrase that again it's the
1: great resignation
0: great resignation yeah and i don't know about you but i do not know one person in my professional circle in my family life friendships who are not evaluating every element of their own life right now our work and our career is it bringing us joy are we making an impact our relationships who we give our time to
1: mm-hmm.
0: how we spend our money And I feel like now business owners more than ever really need to take a look in the mirror and do their own inventory. Am I doing this with joy and authenticity? Do I love leading this team? Am I excited about representing this business? Or am I feeling a little less than? Because if you don't do your own work, it's very hard to inspire others. Haven't you found that? (laughs) Or you feel like a fraud and... I'm sorry. I'm just not someone who's ever bought into the whole phrase, fake it till you make it. I think it's BS because you feel like a fraud. And for me, some of the greatest breakthroughs that I've had, some of the messiest places of my life that I've been in personally and professionally, were when I found the courage to say, I'm kind of a mess right now. Things are really aren't going my way right now. I'm really discouraged about this thing and it's causing a lot of strain in my life. It's that realness of, Tapping into yourself and your own resource and saying, do I want to do the work of leading other people? Because if I don't, I should probably get out of the way and hire someone else to do it. Modeling the work authentically is the goal for all of us.
1: I was thinking about different people get into starting their small business for a lot of different reasons, but it probably comes down to a few things. They think that they're going to have flexibility, they're going to have freedom, and in the end, they want to have fun. And whenever you mentioned about having joy, A lot of times business owners like, I mean, you know, the stress levels that you deal with, the things that literally keep you up at night, Mm. sleeping, et cetera, that sometimes business can be really, really hard because you've got Mm. the weight of not just your family and the clients and the customers, but also of all of your team members. And you're pushing so hard to be able to do it. It can be heavy burden to be able to bear. You mentioned a minute ago about first being a better leader and almost kind of looking inward first, as opposed to looking outward. There's this, well, these people, my team's not doing what I ask them to do. What are some of the things that you believe in, the work that the leaders need to do first, like on their mindset, et cetera, Mm -hmm. to reorientate that before they begin to look out towards their team?
0: Yeah, so first of all, it's a huge dose of self-awareness that's needed, right? We all have our blind spots and we all have these stories we tell ourselves or the pressures that we put on ourselves, how we think we're supposed to be or how we think we're supposed to do it. Oh, I'm watching that person do it that way. And so if I try to do it their way, then maybe I'll be successful too. But the reality is we're all our own unique individual selves so tapping into that resource first when i work with my clients i have a 6 month leadership program managing for performance and the 6 months is a time frame that i put on it because we have these six critical building blocks that we'll tackle as we go however What I love to do with my clients on the very front end of our working relationship is do a couple of exercises. One of them is to write a personal mission statement. And it really is a chance to sit down and be introspective with yourself and ask, what kind of impact do I want to make in my lifetime? What are the things that bring me joy? Where do I get myself stuck, right? It's a coaching exercise, but it really is about some self-discovery. And when we take pause and think about that, It suddenly is like, oh, am I living in alignment with my business? Is my business serving me in the ways that I want and need it to in order to grow as a human being? Or am I in this J-O-B, in this job, reacting and responding to everything that's going on around me all the time, doing it because I think that's what I'm supposed to do? So I like to start real deep and real. (laughs) Let's go there right away.
1: Do people recognize your agency brand? More importantly, do people care about your brand? At Relevant Marketing Solutions, we partner with you to clarify your message and deliver it through multiple marketing channels, creating a brand that inspires. With over 10 years experience working with insurance agencies, our team can help your agency not only get noticed, but start cultivating brand champions. From creating a logo to putting it on a coffee mug, we are your one-stop shop for all things marketing. We can even produce a video of you drinking out of your cool new mug. Visit us at relevantadvantage.com to learn more. And if you're a state farm agent, you can also find us at sfagentpromos.com. And be sure to enter Club Capital at checkout for a special discount. That's Club Capital, lowercase and no spaces at checkout for a special discount. Relevant Marketing Solutions, helping you cultivate brand champions.
0: The other thing I like to do in terms of an exercise around self-awareness is a coaching exercise called the leadership wheel. This is a resource I brought in from the Coaches Training Institute, and this wheel exercise is really powerful. This is a huge exercise in self-awareness, and I'll ask my clients to take this leadership wheel. There's eight specific categories in the wheel. I'll ask you to assess. And rank your level of satisfaction today in your role as a leader. One of them might be recruiting talent. How satisfied are you currently in your role as it relates to recruiting talent as the leader of your business? Another category might be inspiring people. Another one might be controlling and problem solving. So as one of my clients will go through that exercise and rank themselves and make a new outer perimeter, this wheel, I'll say, how bumpy is your ride? Like this was a real wheel. This is not about being a perfect 10, but is there balance in your role as a leader? To me, that self-awareness and that conversation, I get really, really curious. Bradley, you gave yourself a four when it comes to motivating and inspiring people. What makes it a four for you? And as you unfold and share with me why it's a four out of a 10, I will shift and say, what would it look like if it was closer to a 10? If this was more balanced out, what's not happening that would be happening? If you could wave a magic wand, it would be another way I can gather this information. But when I hear someone respond to me, well, Teresa, if it was a 10, this would be happening I use Zoom, right? I can physically see my client, like relax and start daydreaming and thinking about how life could be if that was a 10. And to me, going through this exercise and going through all these categories helps me listen and understand their values, their belief systems, how they want to show up in the world, what's important to them about being a high performer within their business, and together we create a primary focus for our work together. That's where we got to tackle them. We'll say, okay, let's pick three categories, let's pick three things. What are some steps we can take right away to do some work together? If they've made it this far in their relationship, <laughs> they're pretty vulnerable. I mean, in leadership, you got to be vulnerable and you got to be open. And then you got to be able to do the work. I don't know about you as a coach, but I get interviewed all the time by potential clients who were referred to me or heard about me or they've been following me on social media. And when they finally find the courage to reach out to me, to learn more about me and determine if I could be a good coach for them, I probably scare the shit (laughs) a lot of people because they realize, oh, Teresa's not just going to come in here and sprinkle fairy dust all over everything and make it better. I got to roll up my sleeves and do the work. And I think I said this to you earlier, I'm willing to go there with you. I'll roll up my sleeves and do the work with you. That's my job as your coach, but you better be ready to do the work and have an open mind and try some things that are a little outside your comfort zone or how in the world can I help you? And so it does take being in the business for a little while, learning what you're good at and where you get stuck because we all get stuck being honest with yourself about where you shine and where you really trip yourself up. And when we can discover these things together, that's when it's really good work. And also not being tied, Bradley, I know in your work, especially if it's really tactical, you can have this end game in mind. But I think especially small business entrepreneurs always need to have this little window open of, Well, let me not be entirely attached to that one outcome because what if a path presents itself or what if I want to go in a different direction that I didn't even think about before and we're so rigid with ourselves. I don't know your experience, but I've just learned this when you're so rigid with yourself and attached to some one perfect outcome, it's almost harder, right? You really get yourself stuck. And part of the joy being an entrepreneur is the discovery and the unknowns and what's behind the curtain, what could be there next. So I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but. Two um, things
1: I want to mention. I think when the student's ready, the coach will appear. Secondly, I think that to what you just mentioned there about being so rigid, I completely agree with that. And I really think that ultimately these outcomes and targets that we set should be more looked at like, mile markers or milestones and thinking about like, who are you becoming along the way and Mm. enjoying the journey? I've mentioned a little bit, at least kind of teased it, achieved one of the biggest goals that I ever wanted to achieve. And it was one of the lowest points in my professional career because Mm. I was so connected to just hitting that. And when I achieved it, I thought, is this all this is? This is not how I want to feel. And so ultimately, My personal belief is that happiness and joy comes from gratitude and progress, seeing progress and momentum towards something and thinking about who it is I'm becoming along the way Am I becoming a better leader, a better father, a better husband, right? Those type of things than it is about the specific outcome. I mean, great. Listen, it's good to celebrate wins. And when you achieve a goal, everybody loves winning football games, as an example. But the real joy, the things you remember are the hard work that you do along the way and being in there with the team on the journey. That's my opinion of those two things. I'm
0: I, you, I love that you say that. I love the word becoming. And it's, again, one of those words that we're evolving, right? As a human being, you never want to feel stagnant. And I feel for team members when I coach teams, the number one reason when someone leaves an organization is because they feel stagnant, that they're not growing. And I've learned over all these years that we're all that way. We all want to be growing and evolving and becoming a better version of who we are. And So it's great to hear you using that language too. And I really do believe that. And it's also, haven't you found as an entrepreneur, like you got to give yourself permission to change your mind. Like I thought that one thing was really, really important. And I thought that one thing was the thing I wanted to achieve or do, but you know what? Sitting where I sit right now, I have a client who I love who decided to take on a second State Farm agency, the MOA. It's the language that's used. I got this second agency. So he took on this agency in this nearby location, and thought he'd take all of the practical elements. We've been working together for over 10 years. So I was excited. I was with him on the front end of this. And all the pluses and minuses and weighing out, should I do this or not do this? He stepped into it, gave it everything he had. We both discovered these are two very different dynamic businesses. This isn't like taking the template for success and reapplying it over here. This is not a cookie cutter. You're in a completely different location. You have different team members. You have a different community brand. Like There were so many things that I learned going through this with him. And at the end of it, after some really intensive conversations that he and I had, weighing out the pros and cons, he very graciously gave the MOA back to the company and said, thank you so much for this opportunity. But it's actually just pulled me away from my values and beliefs and this legacy that I'm so proud that I've built over these past 20 years and to watch him do this. I feel like at one point it was like, I'm going to let people down. I'm going to let the company down. I'm going to let my family or community down. And what it came down to was him having the courage to say, I'm out of alignment And I'm not enjoying this. And I know this is not in the best interest of anyone I'm serving here and change his mind. And it was a family decision and it was a team decision. And it's so much fun because as we've gone through this year together, and we're kicking off 2022. I'm developing his team members now. He's so much more focused. And I use that example because We don't know, we don't know. I think it takes being brave and having a lot of courage to try new things. But sometimes we find ourselves in it, just like a relationship, and go, you know what? This really isn't serving me the way I thought that it would, and I'm not at my best by being in it. And so that becoming word is really powerful. And grace. Grace. Maybe grace is the word too. (laughs) Have grace. No, I think think it
1: is. I can only imagine the lessons along the way and who that person became, not just the wins, but the lessons from that, the rephrasing of that, of like, wow, I learned so much from that. There was an example, I was having a conversation with somebody this morning, and it was much, much smaller than that. But he was telling me about, he lost a client effectively. And I said, what did you learn? He said, man, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. He said, I just realized that I think I've learned that I've scratched the surface of how much I actually learned during that period of time. And that's the point of like, we're always learning and growing. And sometimes we overlay other people's expectations. You were talking about like letting people down. Other people's expectations become like, well, this obligation that we have to stick to it. Sometimes when the reality is we're out of alignment. Ask you about whenever you're talking about the wheel, and so let's say that on a scale, somebody rates some part of that wheel, you could take any example of yours, they rate themselves a three or a four. What is your belief around the idea of delegation of certain things, bringing in other people or the, fo- the idea of working on your strengths as opposed to working on your weaknesses, etc.? Because you know this, any business, there are so many hats you have to wear. CEO, COO, CFO, CMO et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard to be good at all of them. It's really impossible really to be super sufficient, to be a 10 in all of them. And if you write yourself that you need some work on self-awareness.
0: Yes. A <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for me, this isn't again, not about being a perfect 10. It's about balance and leadership. And so let's use a simple example of recruiting talent. I rank myself as a three. I have this revolving door of talent. I can't find the right people. When I think I do, they leave me. They're not with me for a very long period of time. Absolutely. There's so many strategies. It could be a completely changing handing over the recruiting piece, because I believe recruiting is a team sport, handing that over to someone else on the team. Maybe you need to go outside your circle and work with a recruiting agency. Maybe you bring in a consultant to oversee and manage that part of your business. And a great leader is willing to hand off and delegate. And willing to be better at that piece of it. I have learned, in fact, I taught a little mini workshop to a leadership team in the state of Montana. And working with these team of technical people, it was like delegation is an art. And I never even realized until I got in the trenches in this area more over the past several years, the psychology of not letting go. And so again, there's a huge coaching opportunity there around, is it a control issue? Is it a mindset issue? Why do I have such a hard time letting go? But the high performing leaders that I've met and work with are really, really good at knowing where they need to delegate, where they need to let go and surrounding themselves with others who are better at some elements of the business. That's why they are open to coaching. Those who think they need to do it all and want to complain to me about all the problems, I will start asking those questions. Well, who owns this on your team? Well, who owns that? Well, who's in charge of this? And then I discover pretty quickly, oh, I do it all. Like, that's exhausting. And that's not even very fun, right? So I think sometimes it's, we feel weak somehow because we're not a 10 in a category where we see our friend down the street being really good at it. But being humble and having some grace with yourself and realizing, hey, I can't be good at everything. But what are those areas where I love having control, managing, overseeing, impacting? And where are those areas where I need to hand them off to someone else? That right there, again, goes back to a huge amount of self-awareness, right? We can't all be a perfect tenant. We shouldn't strive to be when it comes to running a business. And if it was a kind of business designed for one person to run it, and do everything in it, that's very, very different. And there are some of those I call solopreneurs out there in the world, right? They're part of a bigger team, but they work independently and they don't have employees. But I believe the State Farm Agency model and most small business, especially in the insurance and financial services model, are designed to have a team run it. And it's not weak. It's actually quite powerful and rewarding when you can say, my job is to develop people and help make sure I've got the right butts and the right chairs and helping them be the best version of themselves that they can be. I want to serve them and develop them. And I believe, especially the state farm agents I work with, that's our number one responsibility is the development of their people. It's yeah. not selling stuff. It's the development of their people.
1: It's almost like shifting your mindset to your customers as the owner is the people that you've got to focus on first is your team, not your actual end customers. So Your customers, yes. actually your clients become your team. Obviously for you to develop them, ultimately they go and make the impact to the customers.
0: Yeah. And a really great visual of this that I can give you is I have a client I work with in New York and we work together on his org chart and his talent mapping. And do we have the right people, the right jobs? I brought in the Colby A index as an assessment tool. And at the very end of it, I was building some slide decks with him and the org chart, and we did a traditional org chart where the agents on the top and the team leaders are right below that. And then he had this scale and he said, Teresa, I'm having a problem with this one slide. And I said, what slide? He said, well, the org chart. So we pulled it back up and he said, I need you to flip it upside down. I said, tell me again, help me understand. I need you to flip it upside down. I am at the bottom of that org chart. My two team leaders are right above me. The teams that they serve are right above them. And he said, my customers are up here. Everything I do is in service to my leadership team. So they can be the best they can be for the greater team. So they can be the best in service of our customers. And it was like, dude, <laughs> this is deep. This is awesome. And for me, it was just such a different mindset from many of the my clients who really feel like their responsibility is to be up here at the top so they can wave wands and direct traffic, right? But it was really beautiful watching him and listening to him and his intent around the design and how he wants to grow his business from here and very representative to what you're to your point, it's is real, truly it's of all service. How can we be of service to those who need to serve others, right?
1: last question I wanted to ask you and I realize what I'm about to ask you is going to be really challenging for you to pick one but I'll ask it anyway when we think about attracting onboarding and retaining if there was one that you've seen as the biggest area that overall people need to improve is it around the attraction is it around the onboarding of those people or is it around the retention of those and I realize that all of them are important and if they are all equal in percentage wise, that's fine. But what's the one area that you see as the biggest gap between most of the people that you work with?
0: Yeah. What I will say to you is that I believe all three of those categories, attracting great talent, onboarding great talent and retaining great talent. They're all so interdependent, meaning how you do one thing deeply affects the other. Everything you do and everything you don't do matters in every one of those categories. But I really am a big believer in creating a solid infrastructure to attract amazing people. And the only way you're going to attract amazing people is if you have good systems and processes in place, that you're giving career development to everyone within that organization, So when I work with my client, the first thing I begin talking about, I want to understand what's going on. What's going on in the house, right? Let's take a look. But what are you doing? If I'm interviewing you and five other businesses out there today, and then this is a good conversation in today's world because it's competitive out there. There's a lot of people hiring. Why should I come to work for you, Bradley? Like, What do you offer me in your business that I can't get somewhere else? And if you and every member of your team can't clearly articulate to me what it is about your business that's going to help me thrive and grow as a human being so I can become the person that I want to be, you're never going to get me. I'm never going to pick you. And so a lot of the work that I do through my programs is with the client. This has been all through my discovery, we need to make sure it's very clear what the opportunity is, what the expectations are, how do you define success in this role? Like I tell my clients, how do you define success in this team member role in new business acquisition, whatever role it is you're hiring for. And if everyone on the team can't tell me what success looks like here, you're not ready to hire. I, the second most powerful question is how will I know if I fail? And if you and everyone on the team can't tell me how will I know if I failed, you're not ready to recruit. I'm a huge book. So I have clients that reach out to me and their number one reason for reaching out is, Teresa, I need to hire someone. I know you've done full cycle recruiting. I know. Okay. I want to say, can we just slow down? I want to talk about what's going on in your team first, because why in the world, if you think you've got a problem now with team underperforming or people not showing up on time for work, or you're not hitting your targets, why in the world would I want to come work in their environment? <laughs> Tell me What? Like, can we slow down, right? So these areas are so interdependent and part of the honeymoon phase ends so quickly yeah. that you might attract this amazing talent, Bradley, but if you're too busy or too distracted or you don't have an onboarding, a 30, 60, 90 day onboarding process, which I believe in, and is critical, and everybody on the team isn't having an active role in that person's onboarding experience, what's going to happen? The honeymoon phase ends really fast. And if it's not clear what success looks like, and I don't know if I failed, how do you get to that 90 day mark and decide you want to stay married? I've heard a super scary statistic. I've read about it and I've talked about it. Did you know that at any given time, 70% of our high performers are passively looking for another job, meaning they might update their resume and put it on Indeed. They might spruce up their LinkedIn profile just in case someone comes along a better opportunity because I'm just mediocre in this place right now of enjoying my job. 70% of our top performers at any given time are passively open to new opportunities. You want to hear a statistic that's even scarier than that? Yeah. Our underperformers want to stay. So if that doesn't scare the crud out of all of us right now, especially in today's market, this is the time of year also. End of December, January, February, I mean, Everybody's looking for a new job the first of the year. I'm just going to hang in there. So when I'm out at planning conferences, I'm speaking a lot right now. We're starting to meet in person again, which is really exciting. But my number one message to everyone I'm working with is this is the time to look at your infrastructure, get your systems and processes in place, make sure your people are engaged. You've got the right butts in the right chairs. Your onboarding process is taken care of. Then you can go recruit.
1: Love it. Yeah.
0: So if I have to put them in that order, I will. <laughs> I'm not meaning to dance around your question, but these three things are so interdependent. And if your house isn't clean and ready, and there's a beautiful spot that you can visually see is available for that new hire, or they're going to be working remote and you've got it all dialed in and ready. And I could tell you about the other players on the team. And this is what success looks like. Here's how you're going to know you're going to fail. You're just not ready. To make that next hire. And that's the work. Is this is I get exhausted talking about it. It's work. I mean, this is the work, right? And I find for myself, I like can in it with you. And we're going through this discovery process to figure out how to keep these amazing people engaged and have them work with you. You don't have to do it alone to create the systems and processes to keep people engaged and growing. Then together, let's put our recruiting campaign in place. Let's whiteboard this stuff out. Who do we want to invite in next? And again, I keep you saying this, it's a team sport, but it really is. It's lonely and isolating to be a small business owner. But if we step aside and realize, oh my gosh, I've got this talented and resourceful team here. Am I leveraging them and their contribution in this process right, to get us where we need to go? That's your starting point.
1: This been a great conversation. I know people are going to want to reach out to you because they do feel some people know, so feel lonely at the top. Yeah. And so they're going to want to work with you. We're going to get into, you know, rapid fire. But before we do that, where would you like to point people to if they want to connect with you, Teresa?
0: the best place is just call me, email me. I don't know if you have access to my contact information, but email me, tc at callahan.com or go to my website, managingforperformance.com. Managingforperformance.com has everything you might want to know about my coaching programs, how I work, some testimonials from clients around the country that I work with. It's intimidating. I feel I've learned this to reach out to someone like me. I'm pretty down home. I'm a straight shooter. I'm kind, but I'm going to hold you accountable. And if that scares you, then you're probably not ready to call me. (laughs) If you're ready to do the work for me, it's about bringing the best of my best and sharing everything that I've learned or connecting you to someone who's been down that journey before. And so that's the best way to start. There's an information you can type in information about yourself, even on my website, and it will come to me or just call me direct. I love phone calls and I love direct email. I'm very accessible.
1: Love it last book okay. that you read
0: i'm reading this one again so i hate to say this is the last book but have you ever read the Edge, the Slide edge,
1: the edge the fantastic I'm, reading
0: <laughs> I'm reading it again i'm reading it again small steps every day accumulated over time like it's habit forming i think this time of year i go back to it again but i'm going to say the Slide edge because anybody who hasn't read it needs to go read it and i'm reading it again
1: i'm going to second that i love that i have actually changed my thought i am a big avid reader however I have changed the way that I approach reading more than I ever have. I am rereading books over again, yeah. as opposed to just trying to accumulate more books. And so for those out there, I completely agree with what yeah. she says. Well, and,
0: and besides the business books, it's always under the Tuscan sun. Like I'm finally reading the book that I, I spent half my year almost and time in the spring and time in the fall in Tuscany. So <laughs> anything about Tuscany, I'm reading. <laughs>
1: second question what's the book that you would recommend the most to others
0: the slide edge for sure is one i love my own book managing for performance but you know what and i want you to read that book especially if we're going to work together but this is my bible and if you want to be a better coach a better leader to others co-active coaching this might sound very untraditional to you might surprise you but if you can become a better coach to your people new skills and learning to ask powerful questions It's a self-help book if you want to be a better coach, co-active coaching.
1: Love it. What's your favorite travel destination you've ever been?
0: Tuscany. I host women's retreats that are based in Tuscany, Italy, and I'm there twice a year. I just got back after being in Italy for one month. So that's it for sure.
1: What's your favorite quote?
0: Hmm. You want to be a better leader? Want to have a better team? Be a better leader. (laughs) That's it. Want a better team? Be a better leader. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> it's mine.
1: <laughs> I always ask the question, if you can be on a 10-hour flight and you could sit next to someone dead or alive. And so now I'm just going to ask you if you're flying to Tuscany and you can sit next to anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why?
0: Richard Branson. I have been listening to his audiobooks and he's fascinating. He pisses me off one minute, the next minute. I think he's brilliant. And I just, to me, the thought leadership of thinking outside the box no limitations on belief. You believe in something, you can achieve it. Like, I'm a big believer in that. So, yeah, that'd be a fun conversation.
1: Favorite tech tool or app that you use every day?
0: On hmm. well, my smartphone, I would say probably LinkedIn. I'm using my smartphone, I want to see what people are doing. I love following up with thought leaders.
1: When you're not working, what do you love to do?
0: Hang out with my boys. I raised two amazing boys who are almost 21 and 24. Just anything they want to do, I want to do. Be outside with them.
1: What did you learn the most about yourself during the pandemic? Hmm.
0: That I have spent a lot of my time trying to be and do what I think others want me to be and do. And if people don't bring me joy, they're not on my calendar and they're not in my life.
1: It is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast after all. What is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received?
0: Mm -hmm. Take a look in the mirror. Be self-reflective, right? If you want others to follow you, you need to be able to hold that gaze in the mirror first and make sure you like what you see.
1: Mm -hmm. Teresa Callahan, this has been great. I hope to have you back on in the future.
0: Thank you, Bradley.
1: There were so many takeaways from that conversation with Teresa. One of the lines that she said was, Oftentimes, the most important thing and really the biggest challenge that we face as business owners and leaders is all the people stuff. But those are not the things that we learned in business school. I got my degree in finance from Auburn, and we definitely never talked about human psychology and entrepreneurship and those sort of things. We ran net present value of Fortune 500 companies. And so it wasn't Anything I learned, I mean, I didn't even learn basically what an income statement was on a small business level. Sir, we had to learn those type of things, financials, etc. Those are all the hard skills, but it was actually the people stuff that really takes your business to the next level. And I thought her comment about that was fantastic. Also, the understanding that for some people it just comes as innate, and other people really have to work through it. I mean, I can certainly relate to that. I mean, there's other people that I can wish I, I aspired to be able to have just an innate sense of ability. Obviously, Teresa has it herself, but ultimately you can't necessarily try to be someone else, but you can definitely think how they think. That said, whenever she said, hey, you want a better team? Be a better leader. Love that. Within the entire conversation with Teresa, there was this underlying theme of having a huge dose of self-awareness and really being able to look in the mirror and honestly spot exactly what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. I mean, there are some people that we all know who think that they hung the world and they have no issues and they're bulletproof. And that's obviously not true. But for most of us, you know, there's a humility and a willingness to say, you know what, I'm just not where I need to be. That's not beating yourself up and kind of being woe is me, but also realistically looking at where are the areas that I need to develop and where I need to improve and who do I need to become over the course of the next year. When I asked her the last question around, attracting, onboarding, and retaining A players, key people in your organization. She said, you know, they all really work together. But when she mentioned about attracting, why should great people come and work at my business? I think that's a super great question for all of us to spend some thinking time on. Why should somebody come and work at your organization? If you want to know more about Teresa and how she can help you, your team, make sure you go to managingforperformance.com. Hey, we've been saying it every episode that we've dropped in 2022. Let's make this year your best year yet. It's going to make it your best year yet. You need to work with some partners who are going to help you to be able to get to the next level. If you know you need to work on your SEO and your pay-per-click, go to directclicksinc.com. Directclicksinc.com. And speaking of marketing, if you want to stand out, in your local community, you want to get some quality promotional materials and some unique materials that maybe people in your marketplace, your competitors don't have, go to relevantadvantage.com, relevantadvantage.com. Do you wish you had some specific systems, some specific plays out of the playbook from someone who's getting it done at the highest level? then you need coachpconsulting.com Make sure to reach out to coachpconsulting.com Speak to David and see how he and his team and his unique approach to training and development would be able to help you get to the next level. We've said it so often, we've had many guests on here about the importance of using your financials as a lagging indicator to be able to make decisions in your business. Go to club.capital, book your no-obligation demo. This was a good one. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate your loyalty. Would you share this episode with someone else so that they can get better, so they can grow their leadership, so they can develop their team, so they can work to scale their business and then go out and make a difference? Until next episode, lead well.